Welcome to Panther Pori, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Presented by Florida Hockey Now. Here are your hosts, Jacob Langsom, Alex Lopez, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 8 of Panther Paris, a Florida Hockey Now podcast. I am your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And folks, the NHL season is right around the corner. And who, ah! who is more ready but TJ and- Peterson with that corporate profile picture he's got on Zoom. Oh my God. This is the most professional photo I have ever seen. That's a headshot. Like, you went to a studio for that, didn't you? Yeah, it was taken by the company. Yes, and it is glorious. Absolutely glorious. I mean, it had the jacket, the shirt, the hand tucked in, like, you know, just... TJ, put it back, put it back. I need to see it so we can truly analyze it to start this podcast. All right, hold on one second. Let me put it back. (laughs) For those of you listening, TJ just threw up the middle finger at Alex. All right, all right, in all seriousness, because I don't think you're actually making fun of me. It is, uh, TJ's got a nice little five o'clock shadow going in that picture. That's what I'm saying. He's got the one hand closing, uh, keeping the jacket closed, uh, shirt. Top button not done, no tie. No tie. It's you gotta uh, have it's no tie. A little bit of a, a little bit of a smolder going. Uh, oh, not smiling, but not frowning. But he doesn't look angry either. It's it's a true smolder. Um, yeah, that is like the rock from uh, what's it called? Um, Jumanji, the the new Jumanji movie, smolder. And I now have that as a screenshot, and we'll be using it as the uh, episode preview. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, uh, we are. Just over a week away from puck drop on the Florida Panthers 2023-2024 season following their trip to the Stanley Cup final. We are not going to talk about uh, about the result. We're just going to talk about how cool it was that they were there. Uh, this season's going to look uh, quite a bit different from last in terms of roster construction. First of all, uh, thanks to our friend at Florida Hockey Now, Colby Guy, we have uh, a look at what the... Uh, line combinations might look like st- to uh, to start the season, uh, and I am extremely happy with that. We also know that Ekblad and Montour are both going to miss uh, probably about two months at the beginning of the season. Uh, so it's it's going to be a really interesting start uh, to the 23-24 season. Yeah, I mean, well, the, I mean, we'll touch on it a bit more later, but I mean, the good news kind of is, is the rest of the division is banged up as well in terms of who you're competing with Tampa just lost Vasilevsky for yeah. the first two months of the season. Um, Boston lost basically their entire lineup to retirement and uh, free agency. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Buffalo and Ottawa who are still trying to build same with the uh, Red Wings. So the Panthers aren't the only ones with questions. I mean, the only team that really you can say doesn't have any questions in terms of, losses to their lineup is toronto because uh they had a good offseason yeah uh but yeah so there's gonna be a lot of questions we'll dig into it more um 
You talked about the line combinations, and I kind of want to start there if everyone's okay with it. Of course. Mackie Samuskevich seems to have found his way onto the opening night roster. Something everyone's kind of hoping could happen. Keyword is could. But now we're here, and he has been easily the best, you know, bubble player in camp. Does anyone disagree? He's been the best player. I don't think that you need to qualify that. He's been the best player. I I, qual- I qualify it in the sense that, you know, I'm not expecting Barkov, Kachuk, and those guys who are clearly on the team to be going balls to the wall. Like, Yeah, they- of course. That caveat exists. but Right. So that's why I'm saying it's like, oh, when you say best player, it's like, oh, is Mac? You, you're going to have that those homers that listen to our podcast. Oh, Mackie Samuskevich is going to be one of the best players on the team. You know, where can I make that bet for Calder right now? No, that's not what we're saying. Yeah, I did not. I did not say that. I like. I, didn't I, say you I did. specifically I, did not say that. Just I so will say knows. that you did say that. Everyone, lock in your bets. TJ Peterson thinks that Mackie Samuskevich is a sure thing for the Calder, and if that bet does not pay off, uh, make sure to address your complaints to him. Uh, if you want to include a lawsuit, we also do have an attorney at our disposal. Uh, so bet on Mackie Samuskevich for Calder, courtesy of TJ Peterson. Hire Alex Lopez to sue TJ for damages uh, when Mackie does not win the Calder. Yeah. Disavow, disavow. <laughs> All you say, this um, is a mistrial. But what do you guys think about Mackie potentially making the opening li- night lineup and that fact that it seems like they're trying to put him on the second line with uh, Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk? It's a it's a great lineup. Like the forwards, if the forwards can stay healthy, this is going to be one of the best forward groups in the NHL. Uh, and I don't think that that is a particularly homer take. Uh, I was worried that it might sound like one, but like when you really look up and down the lineup. uh, So just to clarify for everyone who doesn't know, this is based on Colby guys tweet uh, prior to the preseason game on October 2nd. The, uh, the lineup or the line rushes that, uh, that the team practiced with were Verhege, Barkov, Rodriguez, Semiskevich, Bennett, Kachuk, Lestarin and Lundell Reinhardt, Lomberg, Lawrence, Cousins. Top to bottom, fantastic forward core. Extremely strong depth, star power at the top, burners at the bottom. I mean, it's really good lineup if the forwards can stay healthy. Rodriguez, as that complimentary piece on the top line, is going to be chef's kiss. That I do personally guarantee. And if Mackie can find his footing and start out his NHL career as a top six forward, that Mackie Bennett Kachuk line is going to be brutal to play against. We already know that Etu Lundell Reinhardt is a really good third line that will run circles around other third lines. And then Lomberg Lawrence Cousins as a fourth. I mean, that would be a decent third line. I like the fourth. Look, Eric Stahl had some good, a lot of good moments last year as a fourth liner. He clearly wore down as the season went on, but they've absolutely improved on Eric Stahl on the ice. I mean, in the room, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But on the ice, this fourth line is exponentially better than it was before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that forward group is extremely strong. The question marks uh, about this season are going to be on defense. 
Uh, I did tweet about this uh, about a week ago, maybe a little bit less. Uh, and I mentioned in the tweet that I wanted to talk about this or that I was going to talk about this on our season preview podcast, which we are currently recording. And that is, I don't think that the defense is as bad as it looks, even without Ekblad and Montour. With the caveat of Oliver ekman Larson being good. If OEL isn't terrible, then even without Ekblad and Montour, this defense just needs to stay above water until Ekblad and Montour come back. It's not going to be a it's it's not going to be a Swiss cheese defense. It's going to be decent. It's not going to be a top ten defense in the in the league. But if your top six defensemen without Ekblad and Montour are Forsling, OEL, Mahora, uh, I Mikola is going to gonna play. Uh, Mike Riley, and who am I forgetting? I know Kulikov. Dmitry Kulikov. Uh, is there anyone who might play over Kulikov? Casey Fitzgerald. I mean, no. Kulikov's going to play also. Yeah. So. Okay. So the way that I see it, there are at least four good defensemen that I just named. If OEL can, and again, I don't expect Oliver Ekman Larson to return to his like 2014 self, which by the way, extremely good defenseman. OEL 10 years ago was unbelievably good. Oh my God. 10 years ago. Like well, Christ. I know that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't expect him to be as good as he was a decade ago. Fair but enough. He also hasn't played on a good team since then. And he's also battled injuries. I mean, you saw what I'm not, this is not a comparison to Eric Carlson where all of a sudden he's a hundred point player again. I'm simply saying Eric Carlson had a bad ankle for two plus seasons, finally got healthy and you saw shades of old Eric Carlson. Hopefully, hopefully the same thing can happen on a much lesser scale with OEL where, Hey, he's had two years to recover He's finally healthy, and you see shades of the old player. Do I think we're getting a top-pairing caliber player? No. I think your best-case scenario is a number four defenseman, but if you get that number four defenseman, um, you did really well. Yeah. I so, don't know. I mean, at that price, that's that's number four defenseman price, isn't it? Two and a half million, million dollars? Yeah, not a not at all. No, not today. Not at all. That's the number six Look defenseman. At Vegas. Jesus, what do what do defensemen get paid these days? A lot. Well, Good. let's let's put it this way: uh, Rasmus Dahlin is rumored to be getting ten and a half million dollars, and he's great. Sure, he's a number one. So defenseman. I just I just pulled up a team, and the defenseman with the fourth highest cap hit is making two point eight five million. But you know that I guess that they're just a crappy team that's not even going to hit the uh, salary cap. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. Look at the Maple Leafs; they're the top team in terms of salary expenditure. Their number four defenseman is making two million dollars. Well, it's 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 because it's Jake, Jake McCabe. He's half retained, kind of in a unique circumstance. But he has the fourth highest cap hit in terms of their defenders. Okay, yeah, but that's also when. With uh, Vegas spending a lot of their capital on offense, having an $8.8 million number one defenseman and two $5.25 million defensemen. 
it's just different allocation, but the average salary for a number four defenseman is like four and a half million. But I mean, you you know, if you get a top four defenseman, sure, they did well. I'm extremely skeptical. That's what you're getting. There's not a whole lot of guys on this blue line where you're like, well, you know, if X defenseman struggles, at least we can put him with Y defenseman who is going to steady that pairing. There's one guy on this team that I feel like I could say that about without feeling completely disingenuous, and that is Gustav Forsling. And everybody else is kind of a wild card. Like Josh Mahur, a great year last year. Can he repeat it? We saw Mark Pissick have maybe a better year in like 2017, 18. And then the next year he was awful. We've seen, you know, Alex Petrovic did pretty much a similar thing. He's not even in the league anymore. Who knows what you're getting from him? OEL, Mike Riley, they got bought out. We've discussed this. Okay, but Who, Mike Riley is really good and has proven that throughout his career. His results have always been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so I I agree. I agree him. with you. I just I just trust you to have that opinion and get it out on the podcast. And I'm going to have the other point of view present it, like you know the yin and the yang. Would you like to know where OEL's cap hit ranks amongst defensemen? Sure, tell me. Uh, he is tied with Redeem Simek. For a hundred forty third. Oh wow! I guess you guys were right. We don't have to look at the average salary of number four defenseman. He is the hundred forty third highest paid defenseman in the NHL. I am curious how many of those guys are like Shea Weber, Brent Seabrook. Sure, those guys are still under contract. Duncan Keith. No, Keith Maybe. retired. Keith retired. He's not on. So that does that mean it comes off? Yeah. Well, it, it's also like his contract was out. Like he he retired with like one year left. Seabrook is the twenty seventh highest paid defenseman in terms of cap hit. And I mean, there are some probably... not great contracts. Don't get me wrong. But if you if you just look at it as every team needs to employ six defensemen, there are thirty two teams. Uh, there are 192 defensemen in the NHL on any given day, dressed, I suppose. Uh, of those, uh, 128 are a top four. So being the 143rd highest paid defenseman, wh- which has a uh, a plus or minus of 15 spots into the top four, into any given team's top four by contract, uh, I think that is a reasonable margin of error. Uh, to account for any like buyouts or LTIR contracts to assume that OEL is essentially getting paid as a bottom pair defenseman on any team. So do we have any faith in Dmitry Kulikov? No. Casey Fitzgerald. Who have I not brought up? Um, Matt Kirstead. One more guy, I think. Matt 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 Kirstead, friend of the show. Love him, but that's not an NHL player. I'm sorry. Probably not, but he is in the NHL. I don't think they have any defensemen that have a shot of making the team other than John Ludwig. There you go, Jacob. Who is? I, I, I don't think he's going to. Yeah, I don't think this is the year for Ludwig. His time, I, his time will come, and I, I think I, he's been good. But I understand. I was just going for the meme, Jacob. I was just saying that every defenseman that has in realistic competition to make the team, none of them can be stashed on waivers. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm sorry, none of them can be stashed in the AHL. They all have to pass through waivers. That, that's what I was trying to say. Also, real quick, while we're having this conversation, I want to you know, make sure I get the opportunity to just give a few seconds on Lucas Carlson because I think my opinion, maybe this is the opinion you guys have too, will get a little bit misinterpreted. I feel like he has the potential to be an above-average third-pairing defenseman in the right system. Yeah. So is that worth crying, you know, crying over? Is that spilled milk worth crying over if the Panthers have, you know, different preferences for those roles? Now, I really don't see the upside of the guys they are putting there. It seems like there is some for Carlson. But at the same time, like, what I'm pushing for is not really that important. Like that guy that could be like a 5.5 defenseman, you know, maybe even a five. It's not, it's not a big deal. So if, if you're asking me, is this something we should be melting down about that? He didn't make it again. No. Do I think it's a very curious decision that even after the season he had in the AHL, he is not getting an opportunity in the NHL. Yes. I think it's interesting. I think it's odd. I do agree with you when compared to someone like Dmitry Kulikov. We know what Dmitry Kulikov is. He is an average at best bottom pairing defenseman. He is a number six, number seven, probably a number seven. Mm-hmm. Would I rather Lucas Carlson be getting those opportunities? Absolutely. The one thing we do have to mention is that the Panthers are essentially going into this first half of the season with six left-handed defensemen, they need to find three who can play on their offhand. And Kulikov is one of them. Casey Fitzgerald is right-handed also. Yeah. But if if we're talking about who's Lucas Carlson taking the place of, you don't mention Casey Fitzgerald. Like he's, if Casey Fitzgerald is one of your top six defensemen going into the season, I'm going to be shocked. I wouldn't be. I mean, we saw it with the lines. Someone bring up the lines that Colby mentioned. Uh, It is from Colby a little bit later uh, that day. Forsling OEL with OEL playing on his offside. Uh, Mikola Kulikov with Kulikov playing on his offside. And Mahura Riley with Riley playing on his offside. Right. Mahura Riley could be really interesting. Mahura Riley is a third pair. Will dominate other third pairs. Hopefully that's a second pair because that Mikola, who's playing with Mikola again? Kulikov? Kulikov. Yeah. That's uh, a couple of number sevens wah, right wah. there. Maybe Mikola's more like yeah, that's... number six, but. I thought Mikola's looked good in the little action I've seen of him. I thought he looked good. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, this is a steal. This is, uh, you know, a surefire Buddhist replacement. But like, I thought he looked solid. That's the other the other asterisk to the defense. I know we spent a lot of time talking about OEL, and then it kind of segued into talking about the defense as a whole, but that's the other big question mark is Nico Mikola was given a three-year deal. Zito saw something in this guy that convinced him to give him term. There, So the team sees something in Nico Mikola, so he's going to play. The, that yes. he he is the other asterisk to me of can this defense be good enough until Ekblad and Montour get back? If he can, we're in good shape. If he and OEL both can play two or above their paycheck, we're in good shape. If not, we might have a bit of a problem. 
Yeah, and that's that definitely the... Especially considering that who's running the power plays. Forsling and OEL probably for now. OEL probably... I would imagine PG1. OEL is on the first, yeah. And then Forsling running the second. If for whatever reason, OEL just like can't handle it, who runs power play two? Because assume, assume you bring Forsling up to run power play one because who I wouldn't assume are you that. going to use? I think that's didn't, OEL. Didn't they oh. do five forward power play last year at times? Or am I confusing it with Bruno? I think you're confusing that with two years ago. I think very rare. I think it was like once or twice they ran five forward power play. But from what I read from George, it was OEL that was getting the number one. No, we're saying if OEL like sucks. Oh, then what? Yeah. Which, like, yes. Vancouver bought him out. So, you... you know, sort of like you were saying with Nico Mikola, they saw something in him. Vancouver saw something in him that they really didn't want. Well, yeah, it's a $10 million salary and they were pressed up. Against yeah. The and also the fact that he was actively recovering from an ankle injury. Um, like there were good reasons for Vancouver to buy out OEL. There were equally good reasons for the Panthers to take a one-year chance on him. Right. Oh, yeah. Totally. So yeah, but let's let's move on from that. Yeah, if it's not OEL running the power play, yeah, it it is probably Barkov Forsling. at the point, and then Forsling running power play too. <laughs> that that's kind of where you have to go because no one else is really capable of it. Maybe Mike Riley, but I don't think he's ever really been that guy. No, you're you're honestly. You're, I you're... I say maybe Mike Riley insofar as I really don't think that Mikola Kulikov or Mahura should touch power play. Yeah, like your only real option is five forward power play. Yeah, but again, like you really only got to survive two and a half months. Although the interesting thing about that is, if Ekblad comes back first, maybe you try using him as your power play quarterback. Yes, you have that to. has also never really worked that well. Well, what you do is you put Ekblad on the wing and Barkov at the top. Yeah, true. Um, which essentially operates as a five forward power play. Fair. Uh, but still, like, yes, Ekblad has not been a premium power play quarterback. But again, your options are very, very limited. I also just want to point out that uh, do we remember who the 1D was? On the last team that Oliver Ekman Larson was good for, was it Keith Yandel? Oliver Ekman Larson. It was Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel was the number one D on the Coyotes teams that OEL was good on. Yeah, so forward group fantastic, defense good enough. Ending performances from OEL and Mikla. The hope is uh, good. Enough. Right, the hope is is tread water until Ekblad and Montour get back. Uh, goaltending is the third spot. Spencer Knight is back. He has been playing all preseason. And uh, Spencer Knight is back and has been playing all preseason. Yeah, and, and let's, let's, let's go back and talk about it because we have not podcasted since, you know, the reasons he entered the player assistance program came out. Yeah. Um, obviously if you're listening to this, you know, but I will briefly recap it. He essentially was struggling with OCD, uh, to a severe extent. The story he gave, uh, the story he gave, or not the story, the example he gave was that he realized he had been washing his hands for an extreme amount of time. And that's when he kind of knew like, oh crap, this is, 
this has gone on long enough. I need to deal with it. Enter the player assistance program and is seemingly doing better. Obviously, this is not something we as like we're obviously going to talk about it, but it's not like we can like look at him and see like, but I'm sorry, let me back up here. What the point I'm trying to make is like when there's players going through some shit, you can kind of see it. So, but like with OCD, unless you're with uh, Spencer in his private life, we're never really going to know. So the fact that he'd been dealing with this basically in silence is a big deal. The fact that he got help for it is fantastic. And as a goalie, I can kind of see it. Goalies are fucking weird guys. Like we, I don't hide it at all. We're weird. Like, Every, every goalie has some kind of like, whether you call it OCD tendency, uh, superstitious tick, whatever it is, we all do it. I mean, me personally, like I have the exact same little routine I do before every opening face-off of a period. It's the exact same thing, and I've been doing it since I was 12. Could you call that an OCD tick? Sure. I, I don't know. I don't think I'm OCD because that's kind of the only thing in terms of my life that I do it is when I'm playing hockey, I have those things, but like goalies do that. We get these routines into our head. So the fact that Spencer Knight, Spencer Knight literally just dive bombed into this, like that's scary. And it's good to see him on the other side of it. And if he's got control of it, hopefully we'll start to see the goalie we all know and think he has the potential to be one of the best in the world. Spencer Knight in his three preseason appearances so far uh, is rocking a 918 save percentage. That's really good. It's pretty good. Granted, Here's it's, my- it's preseason. So you have to take every single statistic with an extremely large grain of salt. But to see him performing at the NHL level in any capacity is extremely promising for him. Here's what I think of the goaltending. My confidence interval for predicting it is basically zero. Yeah. I same. have I have no confidence that I can predict what will happen. Same. But like that very low confidence that I have in my own prediction, my own prediction is that it'll be an above average tandem. Because I think that what we saw from Bob in the playoffs pumped him up. I think it's getting him back into thinking, I'm the fucking man. I'm the guy that won two Vezdas. I'm the guy that is the backbone of my team. And my team needs me because have you seen the defense? It really isn't very good. And I think that's going to pump him up. And I I think Spencer Knight's got a lot to prove. We're going to have to see, but he's been good in preseason and everything. Alex? Yeah, you need your goalies to start the year. You need them. And you need them when everyone's healthy. This was not an elite defensive team. Uh, last season, and when you swap out Radko Kudis for Mikola, you lost there. I mean, Mark's anyone for Mark Stahl is an improvement. So, uh, I disagree, unfortunately. I who? don't think Dmitry Kulikov is an improvement on Mark Stahl. Well, uh, wait, wait. I think that's pretty much a wash, but I'm talking about when healthy. Your six, your okay. When healthy, your six D are, uh, you know, Forsling, Ekblad, your top pairing, um, Monter, and what Mikola maybe? I don't know. It's or probably Mont- going to be Montour Mikola. I personally really want to see Montour Riley. 
Yeah, one of those two. And then OEL and whoever's Mahara. Mahara. And Mahara. Yeah. Um that that's not a I you, can't help but feel like we're leaving someone out. Do you do you try OEL Montour as the second pair? You try it, but that's gonna get caved in defensively. I think OEL Montour. Do you guys remember how much everyone hated the Yandelek Vlad pair? OEL Montour is the exact same thing, but like a little worse. I, uh, I think that's a pairing you deploy when you need goals. You're down to you're down to, and you need to get back in a game, and that's a pairing you can go you go to because you need to find offense, and both of those guys can give you offense. It's tough to. A lot of people like to um, put together like one guy that's going to be the stay at home, the steady defenseman, the one that you could rely upon. That thinking is a little bit antiquated, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just keep using it. There's not really like too many of those guys that I feel like are going to be able to hold down the fort for a, a Montour or an OEL if they are just sieves defensively, which they've been at points in their career. That's not to say that they're going to be sieves defensively next year, but like. I don't know who I trust to calm that player down, you know, who's all offense, no defense. I think that's what Nico Mikola is theoretically for. And if they, if that's what he is, then it's going to be an awesome signing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole lot of variance with that signing. You, we don't know what we're getting with Nico Mikola. We are getting six foot six. We know. uh, I thought, I thought he was six, four. Yeah, you're getting size. Not really important. Yeah, the the thing six is, five split the difference. We know we know what the Panthers want out of out of Miko Nikola. Nico Mikola. both are possible names. Uh, we know exactly what the Panthers want out of Nico Mikola. Uh, the question is, will they get it in an effective enough manner? And the answer is. Eh. I'm looking at his player card on Evolving Hockey right now, and, like, he's okay defensively. He's not, like, a deterrent. He's not the reason that your defense gets caved in. He's a little bit of a black hole offensively, and he's not really good enough defensively to make up for it. Um, But that's why you would pair him with a guy like Brandon Montour, who can carry the slack offensively. Um and at least help the pairing outweigh any defensive uh, shortcomings. I think that makes a lot of sense. So that's, I think, what the Panthers want out of Mikola. Whether or not that's what they will get remains to be seen, obviously. <laughs> so have we have we kind of covered the roster top to bottom? Is there anything else? Like, do we want to have this whole, like, what do we think of the coaching? I, I, I don't know if that's going to be a compelling podcast. I don't think there's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's an interesting conversation to be had about coaching. That's Alex, Gregory Dennis. The question I have about roster construction is just as long as we're playing around with the defensive pairings, do you possibly, in order to make sure that the question marks are as invariable as possible uh and this is primarily for when everyone's healthy mahora montour second pair mikula oel third pair conceptually that actually sounds pretty good to me yeah 
or do you consider splitting up Forsling and, and Ekblad? The reason a- I would say no to that is you're not going to put Ekblad with Montour, which means if you take Forsling off of his pair, you have to put either Mahora, Mikola, or OEL up there. And Mike Riley. None of those. Yeah, Mike Riley. If if Mike Riley is the answer to that question, great. But once everyone's healthy, you know Ekblad, Forsling, and Montour are playing, obviously. Right. Mahura has earned a spot unless he just dive bombs this season. You know Mikola is going to play. And you probably know OEL is going to play. I just, when everyone's healthy, unfortunately, I don't see who sits for Mike Riley. Well, maybe he's just good and they have to sit somebody. Like, that's the hope, obviously. Best case scenario. He's making more money than Mahura. There will be injuries, you know. Somebody will get hurt before Montour and Ekblad come back. They might only miss a couple of games. I mean, you don't know that. There's like an 80% chance of that happening. They might only miss a couple of games. I'm not saying that they're going to get out for the season. I I agree with DJ here. part of the NHL. Yeah, we're starting the season with two major ones. I don't think you can realistically say there's an 80% chance that someone else will get hurt before they get back. I'm going to say it. Go ahead, Alex. I think the better thing, the better way to put it is this. Between injuries and one of the signings not work, like it's going to happen. The odds of all of Mikola, OEL, Riley, Kulikov, all four of those signings hitting, it's very slim. Your best case scenario is two of them hit, one of them is mediocre, and the other busts. I can tell you with confidence how that shakes up right now. Please. Kulikov is the bust. Kulikov is the bust outright. OEL and Riley are the ones who are good. Mikola is the one who is fine. Uh, That's pretty much I have, but I have Mikola and and Kulikov swapping because you just know what Kulikov is. Yeah, he's not good. Yeah, fair enough. So if we're calling him being what he is, the bust, okay, that's fine. I was more talking about someone who exceeds or doesn't exceed expectations. And it's like, I know what I'm getting out of Kulikov, a number seven defenseman. I have more confidence that Nico Mikola will be good enough than that Dmitry Kulikov won't be outright bad. That works. One last thing I want to say about the defense. Who were the main puck movers for the Panthers last year? Gustav Forsling was one of them. He's coming back. It's Forsling and Montour are your two puck movers. They they had two puck movers last year. They'll have two puck movers again this year when Montour comes back. Mike Riley, though, is an excellent puck mover. That's yes. like the hallmark of his game. So with Montour being gone, like that's going to be a place where he can shine. If he's not able to, like in the way that we expect one of these guys to be a, a facsimile, for one of the guys that's out, if Mike Riley can't be like 80% of the puck mover than Brandon Montour was, he probably isn't going to play much this year. But I don't think that that's going to be the case. He might even be a better puck mover than Brandon Montour. Now, Brandon Montour is going to be better than him at a lot of other things, no doubt about that. But like Mike Riley's calling card is, he's a first pass out of the zone, you know, that kind of thing. He's going to nail it. Just real quick. The last time, actually, you know what? Hmm. 
Never mind. Yes, we are, because the bit that I was about to do actually, fortunately, doesn't work as well as I thought it would. There are conflicting reports on the last time that Dmitry Kulikov had what I would consider to be a good season. Um, he had a positive Golds above replacement in 21-22 with Minnesota. So that was oh, very you, recent. You sh- we should have played guess the president in office. The answer is Joe Biden. <laughs> so, I know, but it would have been fun because I would have guessed Obama. <laughs> uh, the last time that his hockey viz chart was what I would call good uh, was 17-18. Uh no, never mind. Twenty twenty one and twenty one twenty two. Actually, you know what? I have some apologies to make. Kulikov has been good enough recently. This past season, he was very not good. But the two and a half to three ish seasons prior, he was actually all right. Oh yeah, I take it all back. Welcome home, Dmitry Kulikov. I've missed you very much. He, he makes a million dollars. Just remember that in yeah. everything. That is com- a completely variable million dollars. All right. So actually, I'm feeling a little bit better about the, about the start to the season. I have God. I spent the entire section on the defense shitting on Kulikov, and I now wish to take it back. Alex, I kind of have a question for you because I thought that you were ca- kind of leading into this. So let me ask you this. How many, in the history of the NHL, how many players worse than Grigory Denisenko have gotten a one-way deal? Because I think the answer is probably not many. I disagree. Um, He's been terrible, though. He's been I, terrible. I, we, we, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ignore the question you, you made just because there's been guys who are terrible who get one-way deals. This was almost certainly a situation where it was like, hey, I want to be paid NHL money or I'm going back to the, the KHL. And you know, Panthers. He made the wrong call. Sorry. Uh, Gregory Denisenko has not earned a spot on the 2023-24 Panthers. Nope. He is no longer uh able to go through down be sent down without going through waivers. So you are going to have to waive him. The only saving grace the Panthers have right now on this draft pick is he is currently injured. So the odds of him starting the season on injured reserve are high. And then you'll deal with it when he comes back. You can send him down for a conditioning stint without waivers, see how he plays, and then you do what you got to do, and you're going to have to send him down. Yeah. Or there's injuries, and and he's the 13th forward. I think a team would be stupid to claim him. Someone's going to claim him because he's a former first-round pick. And there's speed to his game. Um, okay. Well, I think it's a devastating loss. No. He, it's the, it's the same thing as Alexi Heponiemi, you know, Logan Hutzko, even though he wasn't a first round pick. It's like, yeah, these guys have been around. That's the big difference there. Denny is a first round pick. I, right. But so, and Heponiemi was a high second round pick. The, the, the point is, is these guys have had long enough to show something and they just haven't done it yet. So you picked, you missed, you move on. There is a reason the, uh, that's uh, Jason Bukala now does scouting reports for cap friendly and not an NHL team. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just uh, taking a quick look at the 2018 draft and the players who were taken after Denisenko. 
And I got to be honest, 2018 was not a particularly strong draft. No, I mean, I wanted Ty Smith, and he just got through waivers. The very top end, like the top 14 right before Denisenko went were real, real good. That was Dalin, Andrei Svechnikov, Yasperi Kakinami, Brady Kachuk, Barrett Hayton, Quinn Hughes, uh, Adam Boquist, Evan Bouchard. Noah Dobson, Ty Delandria, Joel Farabee. Those are all yeah. top half of the first round. And then you get to Denisenko. And after right. Denisenko, you got to go. Like the, the good picks are few and far between. Martin Hout, uh Not very really nice a pick. good pick. Better, I, I, uh, he hasn't done he, anything. He, he hasn't done not. anything. Uh, Ty Smith was just put on waivers uh, after being traded. Uh, Liam Foodie is like first round pick, by the way, Alex. Uh, Let Uh, me let me just get that in there real quick. Dmitry Kulikov has seven career points in the NHL. What? He's a forward. He's a forward. Dmitry Kulikov. Sorry, Denisenko. Grigory Denisenko. I'm sorry. (laughs) Alex and I were both like, that can't be right. I was like, there's no way that's been around for 14 years. There's no way he's he's rocking half a point per season. Like, not even Eric Branson is that shitty on offense. Yeah, most of the time, he gets more than seven points in a season. Uh, Ty right. Smith has 47, and he's a defenseman. He was also taken in the first round, and he just cleared waivers. So I yeah. am willing to bet that Denisenko would as well. It's it's really not even a conversation worth having. He's like the 19th forward. Yeah, yeah. who cares? The bigger the guy is, who cares? The, the pick didn't work at this point. Like, yeah. the dream and- of Grigori Denisenko playing in your top six and playing well, dead. The only it was a bad pick from the beginning, I would say. The only Jake. players who were picked after Denisenko in the first round that I would be like, oh, darn, I wish we could have gotten him instead in hindsight uh, would be Rasmus Kupari, uh, Keandre Miller, Rasmus Sandin. Well, Keandre maybe. Miller is huge. Yeah. That's like exactly what they need. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. These are the the only players taken after him. That in hindsight, I would be, I would say, darn, I wish we got that guy instead. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it would be Kupari, Miller, Rasmus Sandin, maybe Nils Lundqvist. And that's only because Nils Lundqvist has at least found a spot in the NHL. Yeah. I don't even know if that's true. No, I don't pl- think he played in the playoffs last year. For that, uh, anyway. Either way, I agree. There's only like, three guys that it's like, oh, damn, it would have been nice if we picked them. Everyone else, definition yeah. of meh or already really, a bust. Really, really not good uh, draft outside of like to the top half of the first round. And to support that, Nils Lundqvist didn't play a playoff game last year. Stars uh, made the conference finals. Go ahead. Inter- interesting note about the 2018 NHL draft uh, taken with pick number 100. Uh, in round four by the Dallas Stars is draft re-entry Adam Maskerin. Uh, that's <laughs> Friend of the show, of Adam Maskerin, that is. That disaster of a pick will never haunt, not stop haunting the Panthers. I know. It was, what, Debrinkat taken Debrinkat. immediately Debrinkat. after? Debrinkat. Two picks after. <clears throat> I thought it was the following pick. It, Two it, picks. <sighs> Like, we, you know, there's all these what ifs in Panthers draft history. You know, uh, Rantanen goes right before um, Lawson, Lawson Krause. Krause. Um, Though Krause was still a bad pick given who else was on the board. 
Right, but I'm saying it's the what ifs of like, oh, hey, this is a guy the Panthers desperately wanted. Debrinkat they... was the next pick after Maskerin. Fuck you, TJ. I'm right. You're wrong, as always. <laughs> Continue, Alex. But like, you know, there's all of these what if stories with the Panthers where it was like, all right, they, you know, they really wanted Rantanen. He goes to pick right before them. Apparently, they really wanted what's his name on Dallas? Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson, and he goes to pick right before them. Like, there's all of these what ifs where it's like they had the right guy yeah. and it just went to pick before him. That uh, Maskerin over Debrinkat is the exact opposite where everyone knew the right guy and they took someone with a really good shot and e- e- ECHL quality rest of game. And six or seven years, however many years later, uh, Debrinkat is, you know, one of the top. 30 forwards in the NHL and Maskerin's never played in the NHL. But Adam Maskerin does have the extremely, uh, the extremely unique accolade of being the first ever Panthers prospect to appear on our podcast. (laughs) True. February 14th, 2017, I believe maybe 2018. Oh, Valentine's day. Yep. It was Valentine's day. And I know that for reasons. Um, (laughs) Do we want to talk about anything else that's just specifically Panthers before I, I, I go into something a little bit fun? Um, well, just real quick, that 2018 draft in general is awful. There's yeah. zero uh, all-stars picked after the first round. Zero. Yeah. Ouch. It, like, not a deep draft at all. Yeah. Four total. Really stacked top half of the, fir- of the first round, but really, really bad draft outside. We should have sucked that year. Damn, the year could have had Quinn Hughes. That would have been good. Captain well, apparently Quinn Hughes. That is. Well, apparently there were scouts for the Panthers who were like, if they, if you can find a way to get it for Quinn Hughes, but obviously that just wasn't doable. Every, I, I mean, grain of salt. Like I want to hear one time, like, oh, the Panthers really wanted to trade up for Griffin Reinhardt. Nobody's gonna say that, right? You no, know yeah, what I mean, it, so, yeah, those are scouts <laughs> putting out stories who are looking for jobs. But I, but at the same time, I'm just saying it's like. Hey, we identified the guy, but there was just no way to get up to get him. Same thing with McAvoy. Yeah. Look, I I, I will say, like, I'm not going to stand on some high horse and be like, I knew we shouldn't have taken Dennis Senko because I wanted this guy. Because do you want to know who Jacob was super high on for the 2018 draft? Who, when he was available at pick 15, I was like, if the Panthers don't take this guy, I am going to riot. Ryan Merkley. I wanted Joe Valeno with all of my heart. I wanted Joe. He's better than Ty Smith and Grigori Denisenko. So it's not saying right. He hasn't been able to put much together in the NHL. The other two certainly haven't. I remember the knock on Valeno coming out of the draft is that his ceiling was very, very low. And that's the case. But he was also a CHL exceptional status player. Right. All right. Moving on, because this is not the this is a training oh. camp recap slash playoff. <laughs> no, it isn't, Alex. It is a Paris draft. It's a Paris ago podcast. draft recap. It's a Paris podcast. Fuck it. I love it. So many of our we, we could do an entire separate podcast just on rehashing old drafts. Oh my god, Saran Noel in that draft. The yeah. thing is, like there was no one out, like there's no one in the second round. It's like, man, I really wish we had gotten this guy because everyone is just 
freaking garbage. Let's see if there is any uh, Jet Wu. What has he done? Have, have a, a cool, cool name. name. <laughs> <laughs> that ruled. That really did work great. Uh, uh, Martin yes. Faravari. Sean yeah, he's Dursey. good. Sean Dursey was in that draft also. Karel Marchenko had a lot of hype, but he, I feel like he's leveled off and is just yeah. meh. He's fine. Yeah, like, whatever. Um, All right, let's move on. Seriously. Moving on. All right, so uh, a little bit of fun. Anyway, uh, so I have the results of last year. There's over-unders, and the good news is that we all got more than 16 right. So let's very go. good job. Very good job to everybody. And the winner with the most correct, 21 out of 32. Phenomenal. Alex Lopez. I was gonna I was gonna say I don't think TJ would be using this flowery language unless he's gonna name himself. I I was like, man, I must have done terribly on this. So I was like, I was waiting for me to be in last place and I was just celebrating just to you know have the cocky moment and then be like, and in last place, Alex. Really? Kind of embarrassing. Of yeah, kind of embarrassing that the winner got a 66%. Yeah, that's a what are you talking about that's awesome. That's Trading really on- good. <laughs> Yeah, that is. I mean, you're making I'll, money. You're making I'm, a yeah, lot I'm saying, of money. If I was in Vegas, I, I, I'm making That's real true. good money on that. That's awesome. Yeah, right. and I'm, I mean, like uh, the ones that we were really strong on: Dallas over. We all had it. We all hit. Boston over. We all had it. We all hit. That was so Blackhawks. Easy, though. Blackhawks under. We all had it. We all hit. I mean, also a really easy ticket. call. And Panthers under. I mean, that was an easy one too. So clearly we are very good at the over-unders, so we're <laughs> going to give everybody some free gambling advice this year. And we're just going to quickly run down all 32 teams and give our over-unders right now. We're going to use the DraftKings points lines. Are you trying to tell me to stop? Yes, I was trying to get you to stop so I can get in there with a disclaimer. This is not gambling advice. Don't follow this gambling advice. This is all for entertainment purposes only. And this is this Entertainment is purposes. Advice. This is gambling, gambling advice. advice for dolphins. This is gambling advice that you should not take. Um, okay, so are we ready to go with the team, the first team? But if you do take the advice uh, and you lose a bunch of money, sue TJ and hire Alex to represent you. That works. Blasphemy. This is a mistrial. <laughs> Di- right, send in the dancing this. lobsters. Um, the first team is the Philadelphia Flyers with an over-under of 75 and a half points. Under. Way under. Uh, under, yeah. I think they have a chance to be the worst team in the league, so I'm going to go under as well. All right, team number two. The Los Angeles Kings, an over-under of 99.5. I'm going under. I think this is ambitious for them. I'm with you. I think under. I mean, yes, they added, um, what's his name from Columbus? Yeah, PLD. From from Winnipeg, Alex. They added him from Winnipeg. Oh, sorry. But they also lost Gabe Bellardi, who was a monster last year. Yeah, they're back to Phoenix Copley as their number one goalie. Cam Talbot, the other other goalie. Yeah, I'm I'm going under. This is like this is an insane roster. Like, what are they doing? I don't understand. Uh, Ready for team number three? No, because I haven't given you my answer on the Kings. You fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking the over on LA. Fuck it. I'm I'm. They play in a bad division. No discussion. I'm sorry. We want to rapid fire this. I'm taking the over on the Kings. Pacific's a little stronger than you think, but we'll get back. No, it isn't. 
<laughs> New York Islanders is the next team. Their over-under is 92 and a half. This one's tough. What do you guys think? That feels under. right, you know? That feels right. Under, I think they're an 89-point team. Sorokin tax, over. Yeah, I'm going to take... Yeah, that's 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 the tricky bit to me. Uh, I'm... I'm I'm going to take a real light under. They missed the playoffs, but barely under. Okay. Uh, are we ready for the next team? Yeah. We're going to stay in the state of New York with the Rangers. Their over-under is 103.5. Light FM. Uh, I'm going under. Uh, yeah, me too. The vibes are fucked with the Rangers right now. They're so bad. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. Dom, I know, is super high on them, but... I just don't see it under still got a lot of talent. Like they, I could totally see them having 115 points, but I'm going to bet against it. Uh, Shesterkin maybe just carries them. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the, the next team, did we all make a pick? Yes. All right. The next team is the Edmonton Oilers. They're over under is 106.5 and I'm going to take the over. I think they're going to be the best team in the regular season next year. I think Ekholm is just so big for them. Yeah. Over. Yeah, give me the over on the Oilers. All right. I'm glad we're all in agreement. Are we moving on? Yes. yes. Next team. We're staying in the Pacific Division with the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> Their over-under is 66 and a half. Hard under. That's like they, they had 60 points last season with Eric Carlson. Yeah, this is a team that's oh. built to lose every game and get the number one overall pick under. I'm going to agree with you guys, but 66 and a half is... Not a lot of points, so I do feel they had like... fewer points than that with one I know. of the best defensemen we've ever seen. I know, I know, but look. I'm and now right. they don't have Timo Meyer also instead of just part of the season. I'm not allowed. Okay. Uh do we want to move on? Yes. yes. I'm sorry. The next team is the Vancouver Canucks. They're over under is under. under. Didn't even need to see it. Under. Yeah, I mean, Vancouver under, you just got to bet it every year. Like, wait until it it doesn't hit and then reconsider, but it's been very (laughs) consistent for a while now. That's an 85-point team at best. Yeah, like, every year it's the same with them. Like, I know every team feels like, oh, every year it's the same with us. We have this optimism in the preseason, and then they disappoint us. But, like, that's totally the Canucks. Yep. Are we ready to move on to the next team? Yes, please. The Nashville Predators have an over/under of eighty-six and a half. Andrew Brunette's next spot. Over. I'm gonna agree. Over. This is a weird team, but it has one of my favorite players in the league that like is gonna break out this year, and everybody's gonna know their name. And Dante his name is Favreau. Tommy. His name is Tommy Novak, and nobody knows about this guy right now. But he had like forty points in fifty games last year. He's really good. He's really good. And he's gonna he's gonna carry them to ninety or ninety-one points or so. Are we ready to move on to the next team? Yes. This team has a lower over-under than they did last year, which you probably wouldn't have expected, given it is that that it is the Ottawa Senators, who under. have an over-under of ninety-two and a half. Under, under. They we're just brands. always like, for the brand. On this podcast, we're just always going to take the under on Ottawa, no matter how good they get. Yeah, for the brand. Uh, they under. lost the Debrinkat trade, replacing with Tarasenko, who's not as good. Uh, under that team, 
How, how is that team capped out? How? <laughs> because they gave Josh Norris $8 million. <laughs> they gave everyone $8 million. It, it's incredible. If you get drafted by Pierre Dorian, he thinks you're really good. Anyway, are we ready to move on? Yes. yes. The Winnipeg Jets have an over-under of 92 and a half. That's an easy over for me. I'm going to agree. Um, that's just one of those teams, like, they, they seem to always overperform their talent level. How do they still have all these guys? Like, Kyle Connor's still on this team. Mark Shifley's still on this team. Connor yeah. Helduck's still on this team. How? Because Shevelidoff, or whatever his name is, he is one of the worst GMs in the NHL and doesn't know when to punt. They're really fucked on Connor Helduck now because they're yeah. not going to get much for him at the deadline. So that's part I guess of why they're I'm just going to be over because yeah, they have point. so many like really good pending UFAs. Uh huh. This is a this is a lot of time spent on the Jets, which is partially my fault. I'll go over and we can move on, right? Yeah. Yep. Vegas Golden Knights over under a hundred three and a half. Over under. It's tough. They're they're deep. I like the over here. They're they're deep, but there's going to be a Stanley Cup hangover. They're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be under. We shall see. They play half their season in Vegas. They're used to hangovers. Give me the over. Good point. Good point. Are we ready to move on? I took the over, by the way. Yep. All right. So the Carolina Hurricanes have an over-under of 109.5. This is one of the highest in the league. That's just an obscene number. Like, you're basically yeah. saying you're going to be one of the top two teams for the President's Trophy. Carolina is really deep, had a fantastic offseason, but like everything's got to go right for that to hit under. Uh, does uh, it? You know what? Does it though? Because they had, I think they had more points than that last year. They did. But that's still it, a lot of points. It's the Hurricanes, though. I, on, I, I just trust them inherently. Over. On the back of Andrei Svechnikov missing 20 games last year and them still being as good as they were, I'm going to take the over. I just trust them. Like, yeah. I trust them to be a good team. I don't trust them to be the number one of the top three teams in the NHL. There's just too much variance that high. In they the did end. better than that with Svechnikov missing 20 games. So. I'm, I'm, I'm literally just going off. There's too much variance that high in the standings. Look at the Panthers last year. There, but there's there's not a lot of variance when you have 60% of the Corsi. You know what I mean? Look at the Panthers last year. <laughs> Give me the uh, over and move on to the next team. Man, this is a weird order of teams. You guys can see it on my screen. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have an over-under of 95 and a half. Over. That number is too low. Way over. too low. That's an easy over. Not because I think the Wild are just so good, just because that's ludicrously low for the fact that they didn't really lose anyone significant. And like have made the playoffs like five years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Kroll Kaprizov, uh, Jonas Gustafsson, that's an over. Philip Gustafsson, but you we get we know who you're talking about. Here's an interesting one. The Pittsburgh Penguins have an over under of 97 and a half. Um under. You know, the Sharks had a 66 over under having finished with 60 points with Eric Carlson for a six-point variance between their finish last year and their over-under for this season. The Pittsburgh Penguins finished with 91 points last year, now have an over-under of 97, having added Eric Carlson. So apparently DraftKings thinks that 
Eric Carlson is worth six points. Um, although I guess it's kind of in reverse because they gave the Sharks six more points than they finished with last year. But whatever. <laughs> I'm taking. I'm going to take the over on Pittsburgh. You you give Crosby. You you let Sidney Crosby line up with Eric Carlson, sending him stretch passes, uh, and that's that's a bit of a rejuvenation there. I'm I'm going to take the over on Pittsburgh. They're going to make the playoffs. This feels like a third place in their division type of team, like 101, 102 points. So that's over 97 and a half. So I'm going to take the over. It's hard to give them third place when they play in the same division as Carolina, New Jersey, and both New York teams. Not one um, into my decision. Well, I, I think they're better than the Islanders and maybe I agree. the Rangers. And we'll the Rangers, see. yeah, that's going to come down to Igor Shesterkin, but give me the over on Pittsburgh. The Anaheim Ducks have an over-under of 70 and a half. Under. Under. This is too high. Not a believer in Anaheim this year. Me neither. Uh, I bet big on – I think they're one of the teams that I got wrong last year. I think I took the over You on are them. correct. Yeah, they um, were way under last year. They sure were. They were – I think they finished bottom, right? They literally finished bottom, and then Chicago jumped one spot for, for Bedard. I'm going to take the over. I think they finished right around 72 points. I don't think they're better than they were last year. Uh, they, I mean, they added Kalorn, Gudis, another year out of Zegris, and those guys. I, I, I are, are those guys worth 12 points? Maybe. Maybe, but... They, remember, uh, it's a, it's a lot easier so. to jump from 60 to 70 than it is from 70 to 80. Yeah. True. McTavish is also there. He could make yeah. a jump. I'm, gonna, I'm, right. gonna take, I'm taking the under on Anaheim, but not by much. Are we doing it now or are we doing it later? We're doing uh, it in order, right? Yeah, or, okay, let's save it, save it, save it. For save it. Okay. We skipped the we Arizona Coyotes. The, the Arizona Coyotes over under is 79 and a half. I'm going to take the over. I mean, look at all the players they signed. Plus, Logan Cooley's going to. True, yeah. I, I, awesome. I was going to base it on Cooley. I'm, I'm going to take the over on that, too. Gambling advice that you should not take. Do not take. This is not gambling advice. This is for entertainment purposes only. I have Logan Cooley winning the uh, Calder Trophy. I don't know, man. Connor Bedard is otherworldly. Like, I know it's it's still just preseason, but he has been dominant. Um, it's going to be fun to watch them go against each other. I really. It's like- going to be really funny when Mackie Samuskevich finishes in third. <laughs> Alex... I- I really like um, Logan Cooley. I think he's going to be one of the best rookies that we've seen in a while, not named Bedard, but I'm still taking the under. That roster is barren. Uh, I, I would look at it. They signed a lot of players to fill it up. Jason Zucker. Uh, what's the name of the wild defenseman? First name that comes to mind is Ryan Sue. Matt Dumba. Matt Dumba. Okay. <laughs> eh, I'm still taking the under. There's definitely a few more guys they signed. I just can't remember. All right. Next Yeesh. team. Yeah, holy shit, that's brutal. The Washington Capitals have an over-under of 83 and a half. Like, am I am I crazy or is this just like obscenely disrespectful? I mean, they finished with 80 points last season. Yeah, and but they also they also punted on the season for the first time in like 10 years. Well, yeah. the, the only thing they care about is getting Ovi the goals record, but like they had nobody left by the end of the season. Like Tom Wilson missed most of the year. Um, Backstrom, Backstrom. And then Kuznetsov. Yeah. 83 and a half is extremely disrespectful, but like, yeah, this team is pretty barren. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I think they get to 85. 
I took the over. I I think they're going to be at least a 90 point team. Uh, for the sake of trying to win, I'm going to take the under. Okay. That's fair. I'm picking something different from both of you on purpose. This is a good number. Let's see where you guys fall on it. The New Jersey Devils over under is 105.5. Over. I'm going to say under. They're a really good team, but 105.5 is a lot. I'm going to take the under two. Like, I feel like they didn't have much adversity in the regular season last year. They just kind of went through it. Like, Jack Hughes, God love him. He's injury prone. Like, Jack Hughes could totally miss 50 games, and that's going to put them in serious jeopardy of going over 105.5. It's also just not a team that is – they're not sneaking up on anyone anymore. Everyone knows they're good. That's true. And the goaltending is very questionable. All right, next. Did we all pick? Yep. Yeah. Calgary Flames over-under is 95.5. I like the over on this one. I think that they way underachieved last year. They were like even more so than the Panthers, like just had no shooting lock. I think that they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be right under the hundred point mark. So I have an over here. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. I don't think who he's having another 50 point season. With the sincerest of apologies to our friend, Audie, uh, I'm going to take the under on Calgary. He's going for the win. He's in it to win it. I mean, everything has been going wrong for them this offseason. Yeah, and they can't get rid of Vladar. That's another thing. They did get Backlund done. Hopefully, like, are hopefully yeah, but for he's them. 35. Hopefully for them, that's good vibes. Yeah, but also, like, Pelletier is hurt. Uh, one of their other decent name prospects just got hurt. Like, this just... This this offseason and preseason has just spelled disaster for Calgary, so I'm I'm sticking with the under. You ready to move on? Yeah. yeah. Chicago Blackhawks, 71 and a half. Uh, I have a weird feeling about them. I'm going to go too. over. Yeah, me too. I don't yeah. know what it is. Taylor Hall like, and Connor Bedard. What do you mean I don't know what it is? It's Connor Bedard. That's all it is. Yeah, but if you throw Connor Bedard on last year's Blackhawks, what are you getting? Still a really shitty team. Yeah, man. Um, Connor McDavid was on the Oilers for years and years before making the playoffs. That is incorrect. Yeah, but but saying they're over 71.5 isn't saying they're a playoff team. Right, right. Oh, I'm taking the over. Yeah, I'm taking the over as well. Taylor Hall, that's a a good ad, and uh, I think that they'll they'll be a little bit better than people. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets over under. Speaking of fucked offseason vibes, speaking of everything going <laughs> wrong in the offseason, yes. 72 and a half points is their over under. And like, just on the sake of like, they're, you know, have all this turmoil in the offseason and they're going to have to roll into the season. And they were horrible last year. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, started Josh under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. I, I like Adam Fantilli a lot, but not, not, not that much. They had hired a normal coach. They they <laughs> added a couple of good players in the offseason and could totally go into this season being like, you know, maybe we don't make the playoffs, but we're going to be playoff competitive this year. And I'd be like, sure, I buy it. I don't buy it in the current circumstances at all. All right. Are we ready to move on? 
Yep. Colorado Avalanche have an over-under of 106.5. I'm going to take the under. I feel like the Landeskog injury is going to hurt them, even though he didn't play last year, and they slightly overachieved this. I think Georgiev is going to break down a little bit. He played like 62 games last year. He's probably going to have to do it again because Francois is hurt. I know they have McCarr. I know they have McKinnon, but like also their depth is not great. Like... I think this team is going to struggle in the regular season. Playoff time, they're going to be dangerous. And both of those guys have had injury issues, McCarr and McKinnon. I'm taking the under. Uh, I'm going to go over. I don't think there's a lot of competition for the winner of that division. You are right about that. That is a bad division. And by the way, remember, TJ, when you said that Connor McDavid's Oilers didn't make the playoffs for years, and I said you're you are incorrect. They made the playoffs in the second season, but then they missed yeah, it. Yeah, like they made the playoffs in, in his first full season as an Oiler. But then so, they missed it like three, four years in a row. They missed it two like years that. in a row, and then they've made it basically every year since. Really? I thought it was longer than that. It wasn't, but also you were wrong about the first thing you said because they made it in the first full season he played. I, I wasn't saying that they. <laughs> it took him years and years before he played his first playoff. That's literally game. what you said. Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins 101.5. I, I just got to take the under here. I mean, they had like 140 <laughs> points last year. I, I, I'm never going to bet up against the demise of the Bruins until they actually demise. But 101.5 is like, hey, we're cruising to the playoffs. Their number one center is, what, is Pavel Zaka. Like, yeah. That team lost a ton. A ton. And yeah. they ha- had no cap room to replenish at all. And they didn't have any prospects coming up. They don't have any prospects coming up. This is an easy under to me. I mean, I, I think Boston gets into the playoffs because Boston never dies. But this is not nearly the team they were last year. It's not that I don't bet against Boston. I don't bet against Patrice, Patrice Bergeron. And he is not here. Under. Every single season preview episode that we've done for the last several years, I have said some variation of the phrase, I think this is finally the year where Boston's age shows. And every you did have the year, over on them last year, though. Every you did year, have the over. Oh, hell yeah. Every year I've been wrong. Um, This is hard because do I think that the losses they suffered will cost them 34 points? No, but also kinda. I, I don't know. I I genuinely almost want to vote no contest on this. <laughs> um Howard's way out. Remember, you, you gotta remember they overperformed their point total by like 20 something points last I year. Know. Uh it's Patrice Bergeron expected, worth yes, 30 points. points in the standings. Will Linus Olmark repeat the tremendous success that he had last year. Uh fuck no, it. Because uh, give me the un- I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. This is going to come agree back with to Alex. bite me. This is going to this is going to come back to bite me, but I'm going to take the under on Boston. I agree with Alex that I think they're still going to make the playoffs. Uh yeah, but you Red can Rings. make the playoffs with 99 points. Yeah. Detroit Red Wings over under 85 and a half. Hard under. Yeah, this is tough. I, I like that number. That's a good number for them. So no, they suck. I'm so not a believer in the Red Wings. I'm I'm 
You know what? I, I, I actually am with you. I'm I'm with you. Like I think that Raymond's overrated. I think that's uh what how do you fucking say his name? The defenseman. Edvinson or whatever. Moritz Sider. Oh, the Sider. <laughs> he's he's so overrated. No, he isn't. He, he, Sider's good. No, but like but they talk about him like great. he's a He's a, a Selkie guy. Not a Selkie he's guy. He's not a, a first-pairing defenseman right now. It would be he's remarkable not. if he won the Selkie. Um, yeah, that would be crazy. I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm going under. They're, they're the sixth-best team in the Detroit division. Detroit is a fraud. The I, I just think that they're a joke. I think their young guys are just not that good. And Dylan Larkin's not that good. Like, sorry, Dylan. We're ready to move on. Mean. <laughs> the Dallas Stars, 105.5. Light effort. I'm going to take the over because this team is this just number. stacked. This team is just stacked. Um, they have so much talent and they have an awesome goaltender. Over. I'm going to take the over as well here. I know I've been taking the unders on a lot of these huge numbers, but I agree with TJ. This team is stacked and they haven't done, they haven't won anything yet, so the incentive for them to win every game possible is high. They finished with 108 points last season and got better via the removal of John Klingberg. <laughs> uh, Klingberg's been gone from Dallas for a while. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm yeah, not, he did not play for them last year. No, he was in Anaheim. Um, <laughs> who, by the way, awful. Um, I, I don't know. Hey, like, where did he go again? Seems right. I will take. Uh, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm going to take over. I, All I'm right. going to take the over very slightly here. Because uh, when I when we were talking about Colorado and I said there's not much competition to win that division, Dallas is the only team who can knock on that door. Dance with the girl you brought, right? Yeah. I'm going to move on. Everybody cool? Yep. Buffalo Sabres, 92 and a half. Over. With celebration for our friend Anthony Chandra, I'm going to take the over. Still not a playoff team, but I'll take the over this year. I'm going to take the under here. Um, I think they rode a hot streak at the end of the season to get above 90 points. I think they're back in the 88 range next season. Seattle. We shall see. I like the vibes in Buffalo, though. Seattle. Same number, 92 and a half. Hard over. Yeah, I'm taking the over on that. Give me a very slight under here, which is kind of off-brand for me, but... They really shot the lights out last TJ year. TJ betting against Jared McCann. He had like a 20% shooting percentage last year. Yeah, because he rules. He does rule, but like you rule if you have like a 12% shooting percentage. I just yeah. don't think it's every, – everybody on the team is shooting the lights out. I just don't think that's sustainable. Sorry. Jared Sorry. McCann will never forgive you. Are we going to move on? Yes. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning over under is 93 under. and a half points. Under, fuck them. Uh I I think this is a low number. I'm gonna say over and I hate it, but but like they're gonna find a way to survive without Vassy and no. end under end fuck us. They did go under last year. And I feel like this number really dipped because of the Vasilevsky news. For sure. But also under, fuck them. This is like a make the playoffs number. So I feel like I got to take the over. That's why it's funny to take the under. Fuck them. 
I could see them missing the playoffs, but like, I'm not going to bet it. I'm just not. Are we ready to move on? I apparently am. Under. Fuck them. All right. Uh, sticking in the Atlantic, the Toronto Maple Leafs over under is 106.5. I just yeah, feel I'm... like they're reliable in the regular season. Like, take the over. Yeah, that's 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 an easy over for me. They added yeah. Bertuzzi. They added Domi. Yeah, they're trying to get better for the playoffs to combat the, what the Panthers did to them in five games last season. But, you know, it's their turn to win the Atlantic. I'm taking the over. Yeah. We all agree. Sticking to the Atlantic again, the uh, Montreal Canadiens over under is 70 and a half. That team is absolute dog shit. They're in the toughest division of the NHL under. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Like they went over their projections. Maybe they even didn't go over their projections last year, but like Montembeau was awesome, which like what? Yeah. Sam Montembeau. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over on Montreal. I think they, I think they jumped Detroit. Oof. Ooh, that's spicy. That's that's a hot take. Fuck I'm a cost. big believer in Caulfield, Suzuki. Uh, I really like Brendan Gallagher. Like Slavkovsky's so mid, though. He's so mid. Come on. He what? had a bad rookie year. That doesn't mean he's not going to become anything ever. I didn't say that, but so far he looks mid. Yeah. Alex is right, unfortunately. I'm he rooting put for on him muscle now. in the offseason. Uh, I'm, I'm taking he was already the over big. on Montreal. Yeah, he had a frame, but he put on muscle. I'm 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 gonna take the over on Montreal, and my hot take is that they beat out Detroit to not finish in last in the Atlantic. All right. Okay. Second so we're gonna one. move on. Yeah. St. Louis Blues over under 83 and a half. I like the over here. Last year I was really big on their under, but their their under was like 99. So I think they're gonna be better this year like thomas Cairo, they got kapanen in they got vrana they got uh what's his name no more tarasenko though yeah but he was kind of washed who'd they get from philadelphia what the hell is that guy's name oh kevin hayes yes yeah i'm, I'm gonna take the over on st louis i, I genuinely like a- just can't picture anything that they did over the summer but i still feel like they're going to be better than 83 points yeah like that's just like a go ahead when you're in that 81 to 83 range like you're just the middest of mid teams like that's not a that's not a good number to hit like if you're floating around that number like and i think st louis is just slightly above that level right now so yeah i'm going to take over but like it's going to be 85 points you you remember how we perceived the minnesota wild in the early part of the aughts we thought like they were the most boring team because every year they made the playoffs and lost in the first or second round. Like that's yeah. sort of how I see the blues. Maybe they'll miss the playoffs, but like, but they're not going to be bad. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to be bad. Agreed. All right, Alex, is that 31? Did we miss anybody? Yeah. No, nope, it's just one team left. All right. wonder who it could be. The Florida Panthers over under is 99 and a half points. And for a second year in a row, taking the under. I like uh, 96, 97 for them. That's right around where I'm, I'm thinking right now. A lot needs to go right for a season that's starting off with a lot going wrong. Yeah. For them to be over, to be 100 points or above. 
So, yeah, I'm going to take the under. I think they make the playoffs a bit more comfortably than last year, but I think they're going to be right in that 97, 98 point range. My compulsive need uh, for everyone to like me all the time forever, combined with both of you taking the pessimistic, even if logical answer, um, I'm going to take the over on the Panthers at 99. I think we need one of us. I, I just think it's a bad look to end this podcast with all three of us taking the under for the Panthers. Well, we took we all took the under last year, and we were all right. We were all very right. Shit. Uh, did we do them last last year? I don't, I don't remember. So. Maybe. Who knows? Um, Either way, thank you for those. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, because like this is a head versus heart thing. My head does say under. But my heart says Spencer Knight for Vesna, Mackie Saskevich for Calder. The Panthers can ride the storm until I glad Montour get back, and then they're going to dominate the second half of the season. Um, you know, for the sake of once again just trying to take the risk to win the over unders this season, I'm going to pick differently from both of you and give me the over on our beloved Florida Panthers. All right. So that's it. That's our over-unders. Remember, yep. if you go bet those, you'll win about two out of three because that's how we did last year. No, no, no. That is how Alex did last year. Gambling advice that you should not take. You should not take this advice. TJ, without without saying which one of us got how many right, how many did eat, did you and I eat get right? 20 and 16. Oh, so it was close. Was it? Between uh, first and second place. Which one of us oh, gets yes. 20? Me. Fuck! <laughs> yeah, Jake, you had 17 last year. Oh, 17. You had 17. I'm sorry. You had 17. All right. Well, I'm either winning easily this year or I'm going to fucking suck. Well, well, well what if the ones that you were different on, you're just 50-50? Shut up, TJ. <laughs> that wasn't as lightning round as I wanted it to be. Well, it was literally supposed to just be like hurricanes, devils. Rangers, Islanders, like that's what I envisioned. You should have known. And better. then we had to go and talk. On this was our still like pretty quick. Like we did this in about forty minutes. That's pretty good. That's way long. I thought it was going to be like twenty. I thought should have known better. I thought I it was going to be an hour. I knew the second we started, we had no shot of fin- finishing quickly. We would have if we literally just said team name, guess, guess, guess. Team we had more fun this way. We had more fun. But that's not how we roll. Look, I know it isn't, but in my heart of hearts, I wanted to lightning round the over-unders on vibes alone. Can I do 15 seconds of Paris? Go for it. R.I.P. Marlins, R.I.P. Inter-Miami. Marlins season officially over, Inter-Miami season all but over. You know, like unofficially over. But also, hello, emo Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. It was really funny. That was great. All right. So uh, rate us five stars at Hot Topic for Jimmy Butler. The season's here. Enjoy it, everybody. <laughs>